0: about this? (laughs) Kayla's like, amen, yes. So the thing is, man, I'm really excited about this this sermon series, not just because it looks cool and, you know, the words, like the war within us is like, ooh, right? Somebody say, ooh, right? It makes you want to say it like, ooh, it's about to go down, like for real, for real. But the thing is, man, is that the fact of the mind itself, right? Just today alone, it's Friday. Some of you, how many people went to school today? Right? How many people ditched? How many people ditched? Person right here. Out of all the person that ditched is my student in my school. Right here. I will get you on Tuesday when I go back to work, okay? No, but look though. Real quick question, right? How many people that went to school today at school dealt with some kind of war or battle inside your mind? One person over here, a whole bunch of people over here, right? Some of you guys like, I wish I could smack that teacher, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Man, the dean gets on my nerve. I'm telling you. I'm putting some thumbtacks in his shoe or his chair. He's going to sit on him. I'm tired of this, right? Some of us had some wars going on in our heads, right? Then some of y'all were some haters. Let's be honest. We had haters. Y'all, some of you girls are looking at that girl like, I think she all hot and stuck because her eyebrows on fleek, right? She's sitting there flogging and stuff. You know all the words y'all be using and stuff? Right? Oh, she thinks she's crazy now because she got braids. Like, she want to set it off and stuff. Look at her. How many haters in the house? Right? Nobody want to raise their hand. Nobody. But y'all know one hater right here. My daughter. It's a shame. Why is it people close to me? What is happening today, man? Right? But the thing is, I want us to realize that this stuff is a real life thing. That we have wars that go on inside of our mind on a constant basis, day to day, every week, Every month, every year. Sometimes for us, it's every hour and every minute. The war continues on going. Sometimes it's worse at other times than at times. Like sometimes it's it's more worse at nighttime than it is in the morning time. How many guys know what I'm talking about? You're in bed now and you're like, man, I suck. Man, I failed today. Like for real. Like, man, I don't feel loved today. Like I don't know what to do. I went to elevate and it was like I don't even know what to do. I want to serve God, but then the other side is like, man, I'm so tired of this stuff and whatever. You know what I mean? How many, how many of us can, right, can admit to that? And then the morning time comes and it's like you start off fresh. If you're me, you eat a bowl of cereal, some kind, Fruity Pebbles, something, something awesome, right? And then you start your day, but then as the day goes on, you realize you go outside and all of a sudden it's just gloomy like today and yesterday was beautiful and today it's just all messed up and rainy. How many people's mind was messed up this morning? My mind was messed up this morning. I had to pray with my daughter like this day does not dictate my joy in my heart. Right, Aviana? I was with her. I had to take her, to, take her uh, to school, and it was like this just sucks. We went from summer right back to winter. It was, it was freezing. I forgot a coat. I was cold. It's what it is. But I'm trying to get you guys to visualize and see the obvious issue or the obvious war that is going on in your mind, even right now. Some of you guys, some of you guys right now are sitting down. And there's a battle going on in your brain right now. And right now, you're thinking about, man, when I get home, I just want to eat rice and pork chops right now. And you're like, the pastor's speaking to you guys. Like, forget that. I know mom cooked. She cooked my favorite. And there's a battle going on, right? I want to pay attention, but I'm hungry. My stomach is growling. I came straight from work or school. I just want to get home. How many battles is that right now? One guy right here came straight from work. Come on, dude. The thing is, some people came from school, right? I want you guys to realize, again, the war that's going on inside your head. Because there is a war going on. And the question is, how do we deal with this war? Because sometimes the war comes and it's like we're powerless and we have, we can't stop it. For me, it was the the day before yesterday, I literally was preaching this sermon in sleep and I couldn't stop it. It was like all night. It was the introduction. I kid you not, it went on for like seven hours. And I, I'm thinking, I was like, I'm up, I'm up, and this is happening. But then when I got up, I realized, no, I wasn't up. I was sleeping and talking, preaching in the sleep. That's messed up, right? Think the, the worst part about this war was that I got up, and I'm thinking, man, I got some good stuff to add to the sermon. I remember none of it. None of it came back to brain. None of it's in the sermon. It was like, what happened? But it was a war for me because my brain keeps going at nighttime, and I cannot seem to just shut it off. How many college students in the house? Right, You study for about 18 hours, finally you want to get some sleep and all you can think about is the paper you got to write tomorrow or the paper you just did. And you're like, man, I could have did this different. Right? I could have concluded it like this. I could have came up with a better thesis and added about three more points. And the brain keeps going and we don't know how to stop it. Some of us are like that with depression. Some of us are like that with our future. Some of us are like that with our past. And the war keeps going and going and going. And today, I want to be able to give you guys and give myself, because I, I, I'm included in this as well. The pastor, start with me first, God, and then go from there. Because I deal, with this, I deal with issues as well. right? I deal with wars that go on in my brain as well. But tonight, the goal is to give us the tools to be able to profit out of the very wars that happen in our life. Not just mentally. Because a lot of the wars that happen, right, they, they start from within us, but a lot of times there's triggers that happen from the outside, right? Somebody just say the right thing, your face. They'd, all they say was your face, and all of a sudden you're, you're going off like, dude, ugh, I'm ugly, ugh, right? How I many you know what I'm talking about, right? Man, I feel messed up now. I heard face, and I, I, I know they're talking about me, and dude ain't even talking about you. He was talking about his picture on Facebook, like, dude, this face this is just crazy. And you, you pass by in class or whatever, and you thought they were talking about you, and bam, the war starts right there and then. What do you do, right? So there's a war going on, and we need the tools to be able to profit out of the wars that happen within our lives. And these wars are real wars. They're not made up wars. These are like legit wars in our mind. And they happen with circumstances that are all around us, triggers, all these other, other kind of things that come in, thoughts of the past that, that trigger certain things in our brains that cause us to think about something else. It could be a, a person's cologne. And it could have been just like that girl's cologne that broke your heart. It's like, why I'm in mean, that perfume, and like, why you got to wear that Victoria's Secrets, and like, now you're thinking about that this one girl. She got curly hair or something. Like, I hated curly hair girls, and all of a sudden you're hating curly hair girls. You see, when an elevate, you're like, I don't even want to come back to Elevate because Karina's got curly hair, and tired of this stuff, curly hair, and it's and you get stuck on that. This is real stuff, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Sox fans in here may look at Isaiah, got a Cubs head on. You're like, the moment he gets to the back, I'm hitting the back of the head and I'm running as fast as I can. And all he had was a Cubs hat on. You're like, you're bogus. You know what I mean? But this is real war. This stuff happens. And so I want to be able to jump right into this thing, man. We have a little extra time. Well, I just lost that time. But we have some time. And I want to be able to get into this, right? Let us pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are, God. And Lord, we pray today, God, that you would have your way. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will go to the center of our being, which is our heart, God, and begin to mold this, God. Begin to give us a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit that will obey you and honor you in all that we do, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will begin to transform our minds according to the word of God, so that we would know how to handle the wars that happen within our minds, God, and that these battles will be won by the word of God. We pray, Lord, that you would have your way tonight in this sermon. Speak moderately, Lord God. Speak clearly, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen and amen. Let's give it up for Jesus Christ. let I drink some of this water. Right, who remembers the last sermon series we just came out of, right? The title. What was the title, last sermon series? Just you can let it out. It's okay. True or false, right? How many people received some truth out of that thing, right? and figured out what was false. You're like, man, I can't do both. Like, I can't sin, smoke weed, and come to church at the same time. No, you cannot, right? That, that's just not right, right? We learn some stuff, right? But the thing about, there's, there's something about truth when you hear it, especially the truth of the Word of God. The enemy hates that. And there was, there's was a, a parable in the Word of God that Jesus says that when he's sowing these seeds, right, and the seed's the Word of God, it lands on different kind of ground, like concrete, soil, thorns, and different places, right? And the enemy comes, and he takes that truth out of you. He comes, and he robs you of the truth, and he leaves you there. And all of a sudden, you're back doing the exact thing that you do. Now you know it's false, but you don't care anymore because you don't care about the truth. So now you're doing the false thing or believing the false false truth, if you will, again. Because the enemy comes, and he hates truth, and he takes the truth from us. And so after coming from a series as true or false, we are definitely going to be in a battle. We are definitely going to be experiencing the war within us because it is the enemy who is after our soul and after everything we are to remove the truth that we have received in our last sermon series according to the word of God. Some of you guys are like, man, I don't care about relationship. I just want to be religion and continue to good, continue to do good works because that feels better to me than actually having a relationship with God and spending time with God. Even though we, we came to find out that that was false. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And so the enemy wants to always put us back into a bondage state of mind. He wants to enslave us in our minds. And the way he does it is he goes to the mind and does it like that. And so this is the introduction right here. I want you guys to check this out. It says, we are called to apply the truth we have learned to our lives in living the truth of God out. Yet for many of us, we are met with a war happening within us. A war to do or not to do what God commands and desires. A war to live a life of of a Christian or not from one circumstance or situation to another. What is the war within us? This war is a war of what is and will be made true in your life that leads to the battle for your mind. And so the war happens within us that starts in our minds and ultimately ends up in our hearts, which is the center of our being and leads to actions in our life. It starts here, goes to your heart, and then you start acting it out. That's how it works. And so if the enemy, the devil, cannot take our salvation, listen to this now for all you saved folks out there, born again, children of God out there, right? Look look at what the enemy's goal is. If the enemy, the devil, cannot take our salvation, he will attempt to take our mind, our heart, and have our lives suppressed and chained down with low self-esteem, depression, joylessness, without peace, without love, from being loved to giving love. Therefore, the war within us is waged in several ways from the devil, the Lord, and his word, and even ourselves. The book of James, which we're about to jump into right now, is a book written to engage our minds and our perspectives. Our perspectives is how we see things. You guys understand me? It's how we perceive things. It's how we look at things. It's how we interpret things. Do you guys understand this? That word, perspective powerful word and it's a word that we need to understand and practice the way God would have us to practice it so in our perspective that will change our hearts you see what perspective does it begins to change our hearts the way we think and look at things on the inside so we can live out the word and will of God on the outside it is written so we can write this I'm sorry It is written so we can fight this war within us from a position of victory. Listen to this now. So we can fight this war within us from a position of victory. Already having won the battle. The war is already won and not defeat and apply that which has been taught and given to us by God through his Bible. And this is the question. Are you tired of losing the war within you? And if you're tired, then let's get equipped to win the war over our minds and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what the Word of God says. James chapter 1. We're going to be reading verse 1 to verse 8. And we're going to stop at verse 8 this week and then continue next week to whatever else God has for us. Verse 1 says this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This James is James' brother. I mean, I'm sorry, Je- Jesus' his brother, right, legit brother, not like, you know, like, like blood brother. He would be like a half-brother because Jesus, you know, he didn't have a father on earth. His father was God the Father in heaven. You guys with me? So, but this is James because Mary, right, the Virgin Mary, and her husband, Who was her husband's name? Joseph. Joseph, right? After Jesus, let me tell you something, they didn't stop. No, they kept on getting busy and stuff. They had all type of mangers in the house, man. They got, you know, James pops out. They doing big things, right? They kept on having sex and having children, and James was one of them, so he became the brother of Jesus Christ. But yet in the beginning, James did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. James actually started to persecute Jesus, like, dude, stop, stop saying this dumb stuff. You're not that. You're not this. You're not the Messiah. You're not the Son of God. Like, shut your mouth. And you can imagine a little brother going after big brother, hating on him or whatever, because he's, you know, healing the blind and doing miracles and all, walking on waters. Like, dude, why couldn't it be like that? You would imagine that, right? If your brother was like that or your sister, why you always got to show off? Why you got to just walk on the water like that? Why? Why can't you just stay in the boat with me? Why you always got to show off to mom and dad? Tired of this stuff. You splash them and stuff. Water don't even hit him. Like he controls everything. Like it gets frustrating after a time. James was frustrated in the beginning. Could imagine that, right? But when Jesus died on the cross and was ascended, to, he resurrected. Right, forty days, whatever, was ascended back to heaven. James became a believer. He became a believer even so much that they say he was one of the uh, one of the rulers of the Jerusalem church, which was the main church. So the man became a straight Jesus freak. And so just a background with that, it was James, it was Jesus' brother. And now look what he says, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was against Jesus Christ, but now he chose to be a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, his brother. But now no, he knows he's the son of God. It says... To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, consider it pure joy. Somebody say consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, any brothers and sisters out there? Right? We got about three. What is this? Any brothers and sisters out there? Y'all like, I ain't family to that bald-headed dude. Listen, we family, all right? Through Jesus, we family, all right? Whenever you face, he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Right? Consider it joy when you go through drama. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you, verse 5, lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like, the, like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. They're just going back and forth. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such, is, such a person is double-minded. There's the, the sermon title right there, and unstable in all they do. They are double-minded and unstable in all they do. I want to give a quick background of why James wrote this letter so as we continue on in the letter of James, we can understand what kind of perspective he had in the context of the Word of God. He said that he wrote, he wrote this letter to the 12 tribes, right, that were scattered among the nations. Scattered meaning, right, they're all over the place. Easy word, right? to know what scatter means? Scattered. Well, scattered in the Bible obviously means scattered all over the place. But in the Bible, the majority of the time, the way the church and believers were scattered was because of persecution. Persecution. James was one of the letters that were written in the beginning after Jesus Christ went to heaven and, and now sitting at the right hand of the Father. His letter was, was a really old letter when it comes down to it. Some were even saying that he wrote this letter after Stephen was martyred and killed for his faith. And so think about this now, right? He's writing to people, believers like us, right, who, are, who have been scattered all over the place outside of Palestine. They're all over, the, all over the nation now, right? And the reason why they're scattered was because they were going through persecution because their brothers and sisters were being killed because they were Christians. They were being being robbed. They were taking their property. They were going through all type of hardship just because they were Christians. And then right after that, he kicks off in verse 2. The very first thing he says is, now consider it pure joy. Think about that. This man just died, got stoned to death. His name was Stephen. People dying all over the place. Paul was Paul. Paul. was Saul. He was out there killing Christians and taking them out house by house, locking them up. And James is writing, talking about some, hey, dude, consider it pure joy when your buddy dies. Consider it pure joy when your mama dies. Consider it pure joy when they come steal your stuff. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kind. Think about how this letter is being written in the perspective. How can he say to us, how dare he say, consider this pure joy. People dying out here. People getting shot every single day in Chicago. It is like a war zone. But God is saying to consider it pure joy. Pure joy. I had a, um, I was, I was in a meeting today at a, at a school, and they were talking about our students or whatever because I'm a mentor and a teacher's aide at a turn of high school, some of you guys know. And I'm at this meeting with other mentors and counselors from other schools, and the first thing I'm hearing people talk about is my student just got on, a, I guess this week or whatever, went into a beauty salon, just came out of school, an hour later, he's on the news, the police shoot him dead because he tried to rob a beauty salon. Like, What? Then another student, she was saying, the mama got caught in crossfire. They shot the mama 10 times. I was like, did are they were trying to miss or what they were 10 times? Like, man. And the thing is, when you think about this stuff, imagine me now telling these people, hey, consider it pure joy. What you mean, man? My mama just got shot 10 times, man. My son just got killed by an off duty cop. What you talking about? Consider it pure joy. But this is what James was talking about here. And I want us to get this picture. Because what James is talking about is exactly that. The war that happens when God is telling you to consider something pure joy, but it feels nothing like joy itself. It feels like the opposite of joy. What do you mean God consider it pure joy and I can't pay my bills? What do you mean God consider it pure joy? I'm about to get kicked out of my house. What do you mean consider it pure joy? I'm failing all my classes, God. What do you mean? They're bullying me. They're persecuting me. How am I supposed to consider his pure joy? So what is he talking about? Was he crazy? Did all the miracles of Jesus, his, his older brother, get the best of him, and now he's talking like this? Like, what happened to this dude? Was he smoking weed? Right? What kind of weed was he smoking then? Right? Because some of y'all are like, can, he, can we pass that? Let me get some of that weed. No. Right? But we got to wonder what kind of mentality he was thinking about. But I believe, as obviously the Word of God says, He was on to something. He was trying to get us to see a perspective that came straight from the mind of Jesus Christ. It was a perspective that causes us and allows us to profit from the wars around us rather than to be bankrupt or to lose our joy. And listen to this. I want to define consider. For some of you guys that don't know what consider means, to think about carefully This must do with a mindset, a thought process, and with our thoughts to act towards something. The war is within the way we think about things or consider things within our outlook and thoughts towards something, a situation, or a circumstance. Think about that. When you consider something, it's to think about it with with an attempt or a perspective to act upon it. So in this case, he's saying consider it pure joy. Well, let me think about this. Why would I consider this pure joy? This is an awful thing. Somebody died. People are dying all around me. There is poverty. There is abortion. There's craziness. Babies are dying, being left in dumpsters. It's all messed up, and I'm supposed to have a considerate joy mentality. It seems so opposite. So why would James say something like this? And so in this case, we are to consider it pure joy. Let me give you an example of what's going on real fast before we get into this. When mom says, if you do this this way, you will get this, no matter what you do, no matter matter what, we do it to gain or get something. How many know what I'm talking about? Mom can be like, look, you need to go on ahead and get these kind of grades, and I'm going to get you X, Y, and Z. I'm going to get you whatever it is. Name some stuff. Xbox. One or something. Right? Right? Money, somebody said money. What else? Somebody said Black Ops 3. Black Ops 3, Or what? A Switch? What? What's a Switch? Oh, it's a new one. Okay, what? iPhone 7. What else? Jordans. Hi, Will be my son, right? Anybody else back there? Will, what you want? What you want? If you can make it rain, what you want, dude? If mama can make it rain? Will, I got you. Whatever you need. A car? This brother went all out. Car. What you want, Lawrence? Free college. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what, what else? Were you going to say that? What were you going to say? You forgot? So think about this. If mom is saying, man, I'll do this if you get these kind of grades, how many of you know you're going to do whatever you got to do? It don't make a difference how long it takes. It Man, a whole year can be, She can say, I'll do this in the end of the year. Let me, my kids have done this. I'm telling you guys from a parent's point of view. It don't matter how long it is. It don't matter what they have to do. In the end of that year, if they did it, best believe they're coming like, hey, hey, dad, come in and talk to you. Check this out, right? Four report cards later, they remember. They won't remember anything else. Washing dishes, they don't remember that stuff. Throwing out trash, care about that stuff, right? I'm trying to work on crazy. you talking about trash and chores. I ain't got time for that. So they, but they come over and they remember because we promised them we'll get you this and that. So they show you the report card. All age, they did it. And now we got to go and get that. And so the thing is, no matter how long it took, no matter what it took, they got it done. You know why they got it done? Why did they get it done? Because they wanted it, right? But what about when the times got hard, right? Your teacher was acting dumb and all these obstacles. What happened then? What what kept you going? Why didn't you give up? What? Because of the prize. What happened was because the parent told the child to do that, it, it, it triggered something in their mind. It changed their perspective about school, about grades, about per- persevering, about going through tough times. I don't care what they say about me. I don't, it don't make a difference. Why you ain't showering? Because I'm trying to get good grades. You can talk about me you want, but I'm getting my stuff in the end of the year. They don't care about what happens. Persecution, nothing. They go forward. You know why? Because their mind has been, their, their mind has changed the perspective. Because now they're thinking about their parents and the promises that the parents made to them. And so therefore, they draw off the promises that were made and they believe it, they accept it, they receive it. And therefore, no matter what happens, they will continue to stand on that promise to the very end and then in the end, They will prove to be right and say, hey, I did all my grades. Give me the gift. A guy like me will be like, no, you ain't getting nothing. I was just playing. Get out of here, right? But think about this now, right? God Almighty has given us his word. And he's trying to tell us right now to consider it pure joy to change your perspective and your outlook on what's going on in life. You say, yeah, but he's not giving me any awards. Yes, he is. Because in the end, there is a blessing, no matter how long it takes. There's a blessing in the end. There is a blessing. And so the thing is, if we can do it for our natural parents, why can't we do it for God, who is our eternal father? Why can't we change our perspective and begin to look at things the way God the Father looks at it, and therefore obey God's word and trust that his promises are yes and amen? Why can't we do that? And so what's happening here is we can go on. It says this. Whenever... Right in the Bible, in the first verse, it says, whenever, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It didn't say if you face trials of many kinds. It says whenever you face trials of many kinds. It is not a matter of if, but a matter of when you face trials of many kinds. See, it don't make a difference if you're a believer or a non-believer. It don't make a difference if you're a Satanist or a Christian, an atheist or agnostic, a Buddhist, a Muslim, made up your own religion, a religion of cereal, whatever it is, right? It doesn't make a difference because all human beings will go through trials and tribulations. All of us will go through drama. The thing is, you'll go through it, whether it be with God or not. You see, I'd rather go through it with God because it comes with blessings. But see, many of us try to go through it by ourselves and just want to do me and just let it forget. I'm going gonna, gonna to hang in there because the people are doing that right now. I'm just going to hang in there. But in the end, they gain absolutely nothing. They gain nothing. They went through that and didn't profit anything. And so I want us to understand what it says about trials. What is the difference of trials? What are you talking about? Are we on trial? Are we going to get found guilty? What trials are you talking about? The definition of trial is this. Submit another to a test to learn the true nature or character of the person to prove who you are. And that by God. See, it says consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whatever, not a matter of if, but when, you face trials of many kind. So the thing is, these trials, the definition of this trial is to test and approve to see if you are who you say you are. That's one. The second one is to be able to get you to a certain position or a certain type of faith in your life through trials. You see, we just went through a series called True or False. Best believe you're going to go through some trials to see if that truth it's really true. And are you going to hand on to it? You're going to go through something. You're going to go through some testing. You're going to go through some trials. And the question is, in the end, how are you going to end up? How are you going to look in the end? Is it like a Christian or like an atheist? And so this is the battle of the mind. This is the double-mindedness that is happening even now. And so the thing is, these many trials that come, they come in different ways. And I always want to give you four of them persecution. People looking at us strange and talking about us because we are born again Christians and or being mistreated. Anybody went through that? Right? Got a couple of people over there. Because you're a Christian, now they want to persecute you because you're doing something different, different than the, than the majority, talking different than everybody else, and now they think you're stupid. It happens a lot in my school. Right? You want to do something different, all of a sudden they're talking about you. Look at this dummy. Why am I a dummy? I just, you know what I mean? I want, I want something for my life. But I'm considered a dummy. Why am I a dummy? Because I'm a Christian? Ah, you're stupid. You're this. We get persecuted. And so through persecutions come one of the trials. Persecution. Poverty. What about that? Right? When you're not, you don't have enough money to pay your bills or do what you got to do with money. What does your mind do then? And so the thing is, is not being able to have what we want and seeming like we don't even have what we think we need. So we think we're, we're, we're poverty right now. We're poor right now. And so these things are coming as trials to test us, to test our faith. It says trouble in school or family, if you're falling behind or failing, if you're being bullied or wrongfully accused, your parents not agreeing with you becoming a Christian because they are Catholic, persecution, not seeing eye to eye with your parents, parents putting you down, right? How many people going through that? don't got a good relationship with your parents. They talk crazy to you all the time. Now you think you're all crazy because you're all worshiping at Elevate now. Yeah, you want to come in my house like you're just, you're just Jesus himself. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? People out there, right? This stuff happens. This is what I'm talking about when it comes down to trials. The testing of your faith. Is it for nothing? Is God just picking on us? He said, oh, I'm just going to allow you to go through this. Dude, just disendear just it. Just shut up and take it. No. It's all for a reason. And so I want to keep going. The next point is this, and yet God wants us to consider it all joy. How? How do we consider ourselves being persecuted? How do we consider death as a joyful thing? How do we consider being bullied and people coming against us and mistreated us or going through all the trouble that we go through, depression and things like that? Why is this happening? How can I be joyful going through this when life all around me seems like hell itself? How many know what I'm talking about? Right? Think about these things. How can you then be joyful? It's a perspective. And look at what it says. Because you know, K-N-O-W, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The definition of perseverance is this. The quality that allows someone to continue trying to do something even though it is difficult. Perseverance. And so this is how we go through it. It's by God using trials to show us the areas we need to allow him to deal with. That is the first one. You see, if your mindset is not set on God, there is going to be a war. And the war is, do I do it God's way or do I do it my way or the world's way or the devil's way? How do I look at this very thing that's going on in front of me? I'm going through something right now. I'm going through all type of trials right now, and yet God is saying he wants to, to, to allow me to, to, to see what he needs to deal with in my life. Many of us right here in this room do not respect your parents. You don't care what they got to say. Oh, my parents, they think they know it all. They're this, they're that, and the other. And I'm just using an example, right? They this, they that, and the other. But what about if I tell you, man, that the parents that you have are obviously given to you by God? And so that God will use your parents to actually point out the characteristics that are not of God, but that need to change so that you can become and be and show one who is a children or a child of God. And so God would allow trials to come in our life, even using our parents. But we won't receive it if, our, if our, the war that's going on in our, ha- in our heads and we're double-minded, we won't receive it because we're, we're always on this side thinking parents think they know it all. They think this, they think that, I'm tired of them. Always talking about Jesus, always going to the Word. Why they got to be so spiritual? Why they got to be pastors? Why they got to be this? Why they got to be that? Always this, always that. But yet we don't see the other side, God's mind, God's perspective. And the fact that God is using that to sharpen up your faith in God. You see, it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of where is your mind set on? What is your mind set on? Is it set on the word of God and the mind of God? Or is it set on what you want to do or what the world tells you, your friends, peer pressure, tells you how it ought to be? The second one he uses is God uses using trials to mold us to be more like him. You see, right now, you guys are going through probably a storm that you think is the worst storm in your life. The worst storm. My kitty cat jumped out the window. He's gone. He's gone. Sparky's out of here. Right? My dog got hit by a car, broke three legs. I'm trying to give them my arm, but they don't want to take my arm and let them, you know, let them work it out. And we're going through whatever it is. In your mind, you know the trial you're going through right now. It's a storm of your life. It's a trial going on right now, and you're trying to, like, avoid it. You're trying to do everything else but to actually face this trial and that with God. And so what happens is, well, you start smoking a little weed. You start cursing. You become real angry. Some of you guys start having sex, sex with yourself, do all type of stuff, right? This is what happens because you're avoiding the storm of what God is trying to do. And the thing about it, a lot of you guys are blaming Satan. A lot of us in this room is saying, the devil is doing this to me when the whole time it is God. Yes, the whole time it is God. And God is allowing this hurricane to come into your life, to land right over you, the eye of the storm, just right over you, swinging through your family, just just all type of chaos going on in there. And you're thinking it's the enemy himself, but it's God. And the reason why you don't know it's God is because you're not taking the time to sit back and be like, wait a minute. I know, K-N-O-W, I know that the testing of my faith is going to produce perseverance. I know this. See, James was writing to a person or a people that knew who they were, right? Who their God was and what their God was capable of doing. He knew. They knew that they're going to be going through trials and tribulations and persecutions. They knew these things, but they also knew a perspective. At least James did and was trying to teach that to the people. That the fact that he knew that these things come in his life because they come to test him to be more like Jesus. But some of us, because we don't face that reality or that perspective, we end up becoming more like Satan instead of more like God. And so what are you doing in your situation even right now? The other one is that God uses trials as opportunities to grow in our relationship with him. Some of you guys are wondering right now, why am I so depressed? Why, am I so, why, why, am I, why do I have so much low self-esteem? Why is it that I can jump in a car and just trying to go with a party or kick with all my friends? I could jump in a car. Right? I'm going to sit. So okay. i sit right here. Don't hit me. I could jump in a car. Right, got everybody right What's your name? Sophia. Sophia on this side. I got Kayla on this side. She's driving. We riding dirty. Shamal's in the back seat. What's your name? Alexis, Alexis in, the, in, the, in the other seat. We packed in the side. Melanie's back there, right? We banging music. I'm sitting right here just chilling. Bam, bam. We doing it, right? We in the station wagon and music's going on. Everybody's partying. Everybody's partying, right? We kicking. I got the towel. Woo, whatever, right? But then all of a sudden, the towel goes down and I can sit there and the music is still going. Everybody's still partying. But I feel all by myself. You guys know what I'm talking about? And you're wondering why I feel like this. What's happening to me, man? I can't even hang with my friends. I can't even go to a birthday party because I feel all alone. I feel like nobody cares. Nobody even notices me. I got the tile in my hand. I'm waving it. They don't even care. I'm waving like I don't care. Ah, They don't even matter. Nobody's paying attention to me. And you're thinking that the devil is doing something because you're obviously a believer, right? But the whole time, God is doing that to you. And he's doing that and allowing that storm to happen in your life of depression and things like that. Not saying that depression came from God, but he's allowing certain storms to come in your life. And rather than going to God, you're allowing yourself to go to depression. Because depression is not from God. Jesus' name is above oppression, or depression. Jesus' name is above low self esteem. He is victory. But the thing is, he allows these situations to come not to make you depressed, but to have you come closer to him. I was locked up three years, as you guys know. I got saved in the county jail, locked up 13 times or whatever. And the last time I'm like, man, God it was a temp first degree tent murder, whatever, heinous crime. One's supposed to come out. God is good, right? But I asked God one day, God, why, why, why couldn't you just talk to me out there? Like, you could have just stopped all this happening. I could have just been free, enjoying life. Why did I have to come in here? Locked down in this cell, 23 and one at times, 23 hours, one hour out just to take a shower and get my butt right back in the cell. Why did you have to do that? And you know what he told me? Because I had to get your attention. While I was in the world, and I was feeling just like That's how I know, how I know what I was talking about. and sitting there because I was feeling just like that and i would always go by myself i would go to an attic i would light up a blunt and i would just be smoking and i'd be talking to the moon like the moon was my god like what's up rough day man i don't even know like you don't even understand like, it was rough fight with my best friend like this is just crazy and i would talk to myself stupid right instead of talking to god or acknowledging god i didn't know any better but god told me i did i allowed all those things to happen to get your attention and when i realized you were not i was not going to get your attention I had to get you locked up. You may say, man, God locked you up. No, he didn't lock me up. I locked myself up, obviously, right? Committing crimes, being stupid, right? But he used that opportunity to get my attention because he knew if I put him in a cell all by himself, I can whisper to him and he would hear my voice. Because all these other times that I have been whispering, when he was in a car with all his friends and felt all alone, when he was in the back of the attic looking out the back window talking to the, the moon that I created, he would not listen to my voice. When he was high all the time, selling drugs, shooting people, doing all this other stuff, he would not hear my voice. But if I put him in a cell by himself, that one day, 1999, summer, I can whisper in that cell, get his attention and save his life just like that. And that's what happened to me. And some of you guys right now are looking out your attic window wondering what's going on with you, what's happening with life. It's got to have more meaning than this. What is happening with my life? And that time, God, I'm telling you, God is looking for you. And he's wanting you to come closer to him. He has set this whole thing up so that you can grow in a relationship with God. But instead, you're constantly running from God into depression, cutting yourself, smoking weed, doing drugs, having sex. And you wonder why depression has a grip on you. Because that comes from the enemy. The one you continue to go feed off of. When God is saying, stop being double-minded. Believe in me. Come to me. And let me heal you. And see, the question with that, guys, right, is what will it take? It took me a jail cell. But what would it take for you? What would it take? How many people got to die? Right? How many people got to get locked up? How many times you got to get kicked out of your house? How many times you got to get shot at and God got to continue to hit those bullets to the side or whatever? How many times? How many times? Until we turn to the living God and say, God, here am I. Save my life, God. Saving God. I'm tired of being double-minded. And look at this. You will never know what you are made of and what God is capable of until you go through difficult times. And right now, you're going through a difficult time, and God has set that up. It ain't coming from the devil. God has set that up so that he can build up your faith and build you up as a man or woman of God if you let him. If you let him. And so it says, let perseverance finish his work so you can profit from trials as you should. Think about that. God wants us to profit from our trials. These very things that are in your life right now, they are there so you can become richer. They are in your life right now so you can become richer in God Almighty. They are there to build up your faith so that you can profit out of these storms that are happening in your life and that the war within you when it happens, instead of tearing you down, it can build you up to make you a better man or child or woman of God. That is what they're there for. But the thing is, we continue to run the opposite way. But he has promises here. It says to become mature in God. That's the first purpose he brings to it, brings to the table. To become a mature in God, we grow when we go through trials God's way and not give up. And not give up. You see, one thing that James says, he says, but wait a minute. Yes, you're going through a trial. Yes, you're going through all this other stuff. He said, but don't go nowhere. Stay in that trial. Don't pray to get out. Don't pray to go elsewhere. Don't run from your trial. Don't try to deliver yourself. He said, stay in that trial. And he'd be like, what? He's talking about staying in this trial. Dude, I'm out this piece. I'm gone. I ain't got time for this. Girl acting crazy. I'm out this piece, right? But God, God is saying through James, stay in there. Why? Because the longer you're in there, I can allow perseverance to have its way in you to cause you to become mature and complete in God. See, some of us right now, we're half-baked in this house. We're half-baked. Because we took ourselves out of the oven of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so we're walking around as half-baked people. Half-baked. Our faith is like, I believe on Friday, Saturday, dude, I'm back over here doing my thing. Yo, what up? Throwing up gang signs, chilling with the peoples in the block, doing all those other things that Christians should not be doing. And the reason why you continue to do that is because you never allow yourself to stay in the storm long enough to become mature and complete in God. And so we walk around half-baked Christians. One day we believe, another day we don't. We're double-minded. Double-minded. And a question we have to ask ourselves, are you double-minded? One day you believe, the next day you don't. The next one is this, to be made complete in God. And being single-minded, listen to this, single-minded, one track mind i'm about jesus that's it i'm not about this not about this yes gonna, i'm I'm going to be tempted about these things yes i might be tempted to go to the club maybe not the club somewhere right whatever whatever your temptation is but nonetheless my mind my, i'm single minded my aim is to please god almighty it says in being single minded in trusting and learning and leaning on god and his word and not lacking anything in our faith these storms are coming to make us uh, mature and lastly complete, not lacking anything in our faith. See, when you're complete in God and you're not half-baked, you're not going to waver in your faith. You're not going to lack anything in your faith. You're not gonna, None of that's going to be happening. When storms come, you already know, wait a minute, God has a purpose in this. He works out all things to the good, to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Yes, this is some jacked up stuff. Yes, I might have caused this stuff, but nonetheless... God is able to turn it for my good, and I believe that, and you're complete in your faith. And the, and the next one, asking God for wisdom. Wisdom is defined as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Psalm 110, 111, verse 10, and Proverbs 1, 7. Having a fear or respect for God's word and what he says regarding our trial and receiving his word as truth and direction. See, God right here in the Word of God is saying that we must ask God for wisdom. What is the wisdom for? This wisdom is so that we can know why we're in the trial in the first place. And see, one thing about God, he's not going to give you the full piece of the pie or the whole pie. He's not going to go to, you know, Ellie's cheesecake or whatever, or Eli's, Eli's, right? Eli's cheesecake where, where Isaiah uh, works out or whatever, and just get out a whole cheesecake pie and be like, here, girl, this, everything that's going to happen to you right here, it's all in there strawberries, all the good stuff, all in there for you. Your whole life story is in there, the whole trial. He's not going to do that because then it's no longer faith, right? But what he will do is this, son, daughter, I got a purpose for you in this storm. It's come up for this reason right here. Hold on to my promises. And then he'll step back and just let you do your thing and watch you operate in faith. So he's not going to give you the full piece of the pie. But the point of what he's trying to say is, you come to me. Come ask me for wisdom and I will give it to you. Ask God who has all wisdom, all knowledge. He knows everything that's going to happen in that storm and what you're going through right now. He, ha- he knows it all. He even knows how you're going to end up when you get out of the storm. So why not ask him, right? And he'll get, the Bible says he will give you wisdom without fault finding. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. What does that mean? And so the thing is, we go to God first and ask for wisdom to know what is the purpose of the trial, to benefit from the trial, to grow and become mature and complete. See, when we go to God, we say, God, what is going on here? This is what's happening. What's what's going on? I had a trial today. I kid you not. Something that came up or whatever happened. I was hearing some stuff. And all of a sudden, I felt, man, I had like anger inside of me. You know what I mean? And then the whole time I'm walking around the house, I call my wife. She was on something else. i was like, fine, I'll talk to you at the elevator or whatever. And I'm walking around. I kid you not. I'm walking around. I done made up about three stories in my head. Like they actually happened. I kid you not. And I'm walking around. I'm getting madder and madder because I'm rehearsing the stories. I'm like, man, you shut up. And I'm like, I'm talking to like made up dudes, right? Two of them were actually real people. Like, you know what I mean? One of them was my pastor. I'm like, he never even did this. Like, where is this coming from? You know what I mean? I grabbed my my computer, whatever, my my suitcase, and I was going to walk out the door, and the Holy Spirit said, pray. Don't leave out of this house like that. You pray. I put the computer down. I go to my living room, turn on some worship music, and I started to worship God. God, why is this happening right now? I done made up imaginary people. I made up about three situations and circumstances in my head right now, and I'm mad, God. I am so mad right now. And I don't even know why. <laughs> None of this stuff actually happened. You know what I mean? How I many of you know what I'm talking about, right? You walking around in school and stuff. One thing happened, and then that person like touched the right button. All of a sudden, it's like, dude, I will punch the teacher right now. I'm Like, what? Dude, you're not even arguing with the teacher. What? What teacher? Cosgrove, or you'll make up some name I'm like this teacher, right? And are like, dude, that teacher's not even here today. What are you talking about? Like, I don't know. I'm just mad at him. Like, why? And you don't even know why you're mad at him. And that was me today. I'm walking around. I made up all these these. Stories in my head, and I'm, I'm ticked off. I'm like, God help me. And I went into worship, and God showed me, and gave me wisdom. And what happened? And He said, You need to deal with this situation in your life, and remove power from this individual, so you could walk in my freedom. Because whenever His name comes up, or a situation that He has, and I'm talking about a particular person comes up, or his, you know, He has done something to the family or whatever. I get so upset that I start making up scenarios and, like, (laughs) I lose it. Like, psycho dude, right? Psycho pastor and stuff, right? And the thing is, God is telling me, you can get freedom. I allow this to happen to show you what kind of power you have given this person. And right there, I kid you not, I started worshiping God. My joy was gone. I had to get my joy back. I started worshiping God. This happened before I came to church today, literally today. Talk about a war within me, right? I was going back and forth like I'm going to punch somebody. If I see this person I just made up, it's going down. That's got to be a sign to hit him, right? Made up all this stuff, like legit. Nothing happened. None of it actually happened. And so the thing is, I realized literally today that the war is within us, literally. And a lot of it we make up because the enemy begins to whisper in our head, sweet, stupid nothings. False truth. All these other things he whispers in our head. You're not loved. Nobody cares about you. You may as well give up and hate everybody. All these dumb little things he will whisper to us, the enemy himself. And so right there we have a choice to say, hey, I could be double-minded or I could be God-minded. And I can honor God's word and be like, devil, you a stupid liar because God said he loves me and nothing can separate me from his love. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I'm a victor. I'm triumphant in God. I can do all things. And I'm remembering his promises. But we have to make that choice to not be double-minded. And so the last one, this is what we must not do in regards to this one. We should go to God, not to Facebook, not to social media. Especially not to Jerry Springer. Don't go to the view. You better go straight to Jesus with expectations to receive what we ask for. With expectations to receive what we ask for. You see, one thing about God is this. Notice that God gives without finding fault in verse 5. It says it does not matter how often you have prayed. It doesn't matter how you feel right? For some of us like, I don't feel like God is listening to me. It doesn't matter how you feel. It does not matter if you've been in that storm for a long time or even made mistakes in that storm. God is saying, I will give you the wisdom that you need, even though you don't deserve it, but I'm not going to look for a fault. I'm not going to look at what you did last week or yesterday. I'm not going to look in the future. No, I'm going to give it to you because I give freely because you believe that I will do this. So you don't go to Facebook expecting Facebook to give you some wisdom. You don't go to Zuckerberg. You don't go to none of these dudes. You go to Jesus Christ who will give you the wisdom that you need. If I can get all Darryl up here and on the keys and whoever else is coming up here. And lastly, listen to this. We cannot be double-minded. In verse 6 through 8, double-mindedness is this. is between believing God and what he says And unbelief. Those two things is what double minded is. And so, what happens, this is the signs of a person who is double minded. One minute you're for God, and the next you're for the world. Holding on to the truth of God, then just letting it go. You hear from God. This is a big one that we do probably on a day to day basis, especially when we're faced with trials or temptations from the enemy. We do this we hear from God. But because God doesn't come through in the right time that we want him to come through, we then go on ahead and start wanting to hear something else or from someone else, and we doubt God. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, like, you, you know, like, man, you know, I don't know if I should be dating this person. You know, what I, mean? I don't know if I should be around these kind of people, man. Like, I want to serve God, and I believe God is saying I got to separate myself from him. Pastor Steve said, man, why don't you go tell him that you're a Christian, and I can't even do that. And all of a sudden, you're like, God, you know, what's going on or whatever. And you know God already spoke to you about that relationship. He spoke to you about that friendship. And yet, because things seem to be taking its time, you say, you know what? I want to hear something else. I'm going to go over here to my unsaved friend and ask him what he thinks. How you doing, unsaved friend? What do you think? And then Jazz starts telling me, you know what, man, forget all that. Like, you're not committing sin. Like, you know, it's just you and your girl. You know, you're on some Bonnie and Clyde stuff. It's okay. That's what we do in this world, right? You Bonnie and Clyde, you ride until you die, right? You do your thing. Or like, look, there's just friends. Like, you don't got to smoke weed with them. You could just have the lighter. Like, you're good. You know what I mean? And she begins to tell you compromising things. That because you didn't want to hear what God had to say, You go and look for what somebody else has to say. And that word becomes more stronger or larger than God. And so you become double-minded. And in the end, today, right now, a double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You see, God wants you in your perspective to have expectations. And you're either going to have an expectation in faith, knowing that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, Or you better have the expectation that you ain't getting nothing because you don't even believe God would do that. He's drawing the line in the sand. And this is the result of a double-minded man. The war that happens within us, the end result to a double-minded person is instability. You're unstable in all your ways. One minute, man, you're riding for Jesus, man, just sailing along. Everything is good. But then the storm comes, and now you're being pushed over here because you allow that storm to push you over here. And now you're back into an ungodly relationship. And then from there, you're like, man, let me go back to God, man. Jesus, help me. And now you're swimming over here in Jesus, you know, lake or whatever. And all of a sudden, the storms come, and things start to happen, and you begin to, un- to unbelieve again. You start doubting God, and now you're over here, and you're smoking weed again. And you're unstable in your whole life. An unstable person can't even make a right decision. And so you know what we begin to do? We just start guessing. We just start, you know what, I don't even care. Forget it. I'm just going to go this way and try this out. Oh, man, all that weed is not getting me high enough. I'm going to go over here and try this little ecstasy out. Man, it's decent. I'm going to stay right here for a little bit. I'm just going to try some cocaine out. and Let me try some sex out. Let me try all these other things out. And you become unstable in all your ways. And that is the end result of a war that is fought by the enemy's hands in your mind. That even though this enemy that I'm talking about, who is the devil himself, I learned this from some animal stuff. You guys know me. I love animal stuff, right? And I'm watching this crazy old dude get bit by all these animals. He's a new dude. I just found him on YouTube. Crazy old dude. He's He grabs stuff, He They bite him. He's like, uh-uh, he'll take the pain for us. Like, dude, this really hurts bad. Don't get bit by one of these. Like, dude, I would never do that anyways. I'll run. Like, I'm... Grab it and bite me. He's like, bite me, right? But then he went on into a snake and he finds his snake. He cuts the head off the snake, it's like a rattlesnake, poisonous snake, right? And then he says, The snake, you know, it's a little, the body's swirling a little something. The head is obviously dead, right? But the body's still moving and stuff, crazy, right? And he says, You have to bury this head. Because even though it can be dead for long periods of time, months, years, whatever, if a person still steps on the teeth, it still has one dose of venom, one dose. And so he says, you have to bury the head so you don't have to worry about that. Now, listen, we are dealing with a serpent whose head has been cut off by the power of Jesus Christ. He's, but the only thing is, is that he's still able to whisper Lies in your mind. He's still able to slither his way into your mind when you let him and still have poison in his teeth by his lies. If we could all stand up. Listen, there's people here today that you have been double minded up to this very point, even hearing this message, and you know who you are. One minute you're a Christian, the next minute you're an unbeliever. One minute you want to live for God, I just want to do right. The next minute it's like, oh, I don't care about that stuff, I just love to sin. And you start getting all pumped up for sin like, dude, it's going down today. And you become unstable in all your ways. You could be going through a trial and tribulation right now and you're wondering, why is this happening? I just want to get out of here. And God is saying, no, stay in that situation because I want to build up your character. I want to build up your faith. I want you to draw near to me so I can draw near to you. Don't go out of there. I prepared this to make you profit out of this so you could become a better Christian, a better man, a woman of God, a stronger and mature and complete believer. And Some of you guys are in a storm right now. You don't know what's going on. What do I do in this thing? I don't know what to do anymore. I don't have money. I'm running out of money. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, this relationship has broken my heart. My parents are going through a thing. People are bullying me at school. What do I do? And come ask for wisdom. And let God give it to you. If that's any of you guys, this altar is going to remain open as I conclude with this. We must consider it all joy because we know that God is trying to make our faith genuine and get us to grow and become mature and complete, lacking nothing in our faith. That is the perspective we must have. That's why we have joy because we know all these things are for my good. And so I can have joy through it all, but to trust him and his word fully without any doubt. The war is lost when we allow the enemy, our own pride, and the world to dictate what truth we receive and act upon. Have you been losing the war of your mind? We get victory and benefit from trials when we are aimed and single-minded and considering it all joy, knowing that God has a purpose to allow us to grow and to become mature and complete. These are the questions I have for you guys. Will you make up your mind tonight to believe and trust God no matter what or how long it takes? To believe wholeheartedly, to be single-minded instead of double-minded and trusting God in all that you do. Have you been losing the war within you regarding your mind and constantly failing in your faith in the Lord? Then come and redirect your mind back to God. Set your mind on things above as Colossians chapter 3 talks about. Are you at war right now? Any of you guys are at war right now in your mind? In a trial that has come in your life and you don't know what to do, then come ask God for some wisdom. But believe and expect and God will give you that wisdom. And you will be blessed by it because it's for your benefit. Have you become double-minded and unstable because God has spoken, but you do not like what he said and so went elsewhere? Now you're unstable and where you will find yourself. Then repent and obey God and trust God in his word. And lastly, do you need strength to continue to go through the trial in your life? Then let us pray for you. If that's any of you guys and any of those questions, And if you answer that question, you say, man, that's me right there. That's me. I'm going through a trial, and and God is saying, I can't go out of it. I want God to build me up. I want to benefit from this. I want to profit from this. But I I need strength. I need grace. And come, and let us pray with you. Get strength. Get some grace. Unite with your brother and your sister. Let them pray for you. If any of those areas you answer, that's me. I invite you to come up here now. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that is you, come up here and pray to God Almighty. Let God have his way in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you and praise you for who you are, God. Lord, we thank you, God, and we ask for your mind, God. Lord, that we may consider it all joy, all the things that come at us, God, because we know they are there for our own good. Lord, let us trust you in that, God. Because I know a lot of the stuff that we are dealing with even today, they don't feel good, God. Some of us is going through pain. Some of us is going through heartbreak. How can we consider it joy? But, God, we can when we trust in your word that says that you're building us up to make us mature and complete in you, God, in our faith. God, I pray that you will start with me, God, that I will have a mind of Christ. That, God, that I won't fall to the wayside, God, as I did today, Lord God, I was on that way. Creating all these false stories in my head. The enemy was slicking and, and whispering lies into my head as he's doing with the youth. God, I cast him out and I claimed your word and you gave me victory, God. And I have joy, God. I have the joy of the Lord, God. And I thank you for that, God. If it wasn't for that, I would have never seen what, needed I, what I needed to see, God, to grow. God, have your way. Help us all today, God. Help us all today to stand in you and no longer be double-minded, but to be single-minded and saying, today I make up my mind to serve the Lord and to trust him in all that I do no matter what happens. God, have your way, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. This altar's open. If you guys need prayer for anything, come on up here and get prayer. Let God have his way in your life.